You are listening to the REI Central Podcast presented by Maven Realty. I'm your host, Troy Gandy, broker in charge of Maven Realty, with my co-host Dan Rivers, your eco-friendly realtor. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to all things real estate and real estate investing in the Charleston market. REI Central is a monthly real estate investing meetup presented by Maven Realty and Clear Vision Coaching. An REI Central event takes place every month right here in the Charleston area. We would love to see you at our next event. Also, please know that we are not attorneys or accountants. The contents of this show should not be considered legal or financial advice. The discussions in this show are not intended to be professional counsel. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Want to do a test? Now? All right. Oh, no, we got it. Okay. We're, that'll be on there. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. So we're uh, welcome to episode number 29 of Maven Realty Presents the uh, Charleston Real Estate Investing Podcast. Um, we're using a slightly new software this time. I'm sure folks that are listening are aware we've got some ads running. Um, they've not distributed any good ads for me. It's like ads for the software. Um, so we're, we're trying to record in this cause I think the sound quality will be better too. It'll just be a lot easier if I can record it right in the software we, we distribute with, but, um, we have a good guest today. We ha- we haven't gotten together in a minute. Um, we've all just been slammed. I'm sure everybody listening has been extremely busy as well. Um, but we have a really good guest today. We're excited to talk to him about um, it's a similar, you know, role that we have in the industry. Um, so we'll talk about, you know, what he sees going on out there. Um, I think people will learn a lot from this guy. He's got a, a pretty cool story, too, with his personal stuff, trying to build some things and get out of work. Um, so we'll jump over to him in a minute. But uh, Dan, we've always got Dan Rivers here, your eco-friendly realtor. Um, I think, Dan, you have, again, all the listings. <laughs> I have a few. I have that uh, 265 West Coleman, uh, that four two and a half renovated for 799k. It's geez, 20 minutes to Shem, 20 minute walk to Shem Creek. It's probably like a three minute drive. And you're also you're also close to Patriots Point right there. It's a great location, um, beautifully renovated home, 2900 square feet. It's, it's a really nice house. That's that's on the market. Go by and take a look. Um, I have a couple. I think I can say coming soon because they should be hitting either Monday or Tuesday at the latest. Just waiting on pictures. But we have a 187 Giles. It's a 4-2 in Goose Creek. That's going to be 219,000. That's that's nicely renovated. I mean, you got new roof, um, completely gutted inside. Um, it's a 4-2 open floor plan, LVP, you know, granite countertops. Really, really nice job. Nicely done there. That's over in Forest Lawn. 106 Poppy. That's a 3-2. Right when you walk in, it's got nice vaulted ceilings, a fireplace right in front of you. Again. Nicely renovated throughout the home, and they both have nice large backyards, all fenced in, which is obviously not a bonus. That one's going to be two ten, and then I have some more coming soon. They're they're in the process of being renovated on Johns Island, James Island, West Ashley, and Goose Creeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we get some others about to hit the market over the next couple months. Yeah, I got one coming too in a little while off of Sumner, um, Charleston Farms. Mm-hmm. It's one of those newer little pockets back there. So just waiting for uh, him to send me everything on that and. If you hear the neighbor blowing leaves, I apologize, but he'll stop soon. He usually doesn't, doesn't last that long. Um, And then again, we have a market update from Dan, which these are really a little depressing lately, but. uh, (laughs) Depends on which way you're looking at it, but yeah, it could be. uh, Median sales price. These are all going to be, first number is going to be February of this year. The second number is going to be February of last year, just so you can compare them. Medium sale price is 328,000 as opposed to 294,000. Days on market, 11. Last year was 46 at this time. I mean, that's the crazy number to yeah. me. Uh, active listings, 1996. Honestly, when you go for single family detached in the Tri-County, you're under 1,000. Uh, last year was 5,400. We're down 63%. Pending listings, 2140. Last year was 1707, so we're up 25%. And actually sold listings were up 18%, 1560 as opposed to 1323. And people have asked, you know, how do we have more sold even though our market's kind of bare and right there, you're 11 days on market, you get multiple offers, things mm-hmm. are moving pretty quickly. And then you also have a lot of activity off market. I know that, I know you do, Troy, and um, a lot of the agents that are hustling this just, you almost got to move things off market. Don't worry, there are no listing agreements. We're not, you know, doing anything uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> against anything, but yeah. So there's things that move off market that end up closing out through the MLS and you know, there you go. That's, that's why the solds are, are extremely high right now. Um, under 250, we're down 15% in the number of sales from last year. Uh, over 500,000, we're up 65% and over a million, we're up 58%. That's just showing you the higher priced homes are moving. And 
like Kelly had talked about last night at the RA Central, it was a great chat about it. Just tells you if you're if you're a wholesaler or a flipper, you know, focus in that. You kind of can do either, but that under 250 is a really a real need for that. I mean, a lot of that for the most part is somewhat affordable housing. I hate to use that exact terminology of it, but people who are trying to get into the the game of owning a house really need to be that 250 and under. So hopefully we see more of those pop up because I know that's helping mm -hmm. you know home ownership at least a lot of first time home ownership. Yeah, I mean it's it's just crazy that the, all these stats are like today. A, a duplex hit the market like a day and a half ago and three of our agents have made an offer on it for people. Yep. It's crazy. And it's marginal. It's just like an okay deal. There's nothing special really about it. So and people keep asking me about like a bubble. If there's, if there's some kind of bubble, I don't know that there is here because in my opinion, it's not really artificial. None of this has been made by like banks giving away too much money or regulations being avoided in order to get money out to people. I think it's just, this inventory issue started about a year ago and people quit. They, they didn't list because COVID hit. So hopefully this spring it'll spike, but it's these small mid-sized cities where people are moving from larger urban areas. Like the chamber put out a thing the other day that the number one uh, source of transplants right now is New York and Jersey. So that's why the million plus is going crazy because these folks are selling like a, to, you know, three bed ranch up there for a million dollars and then they can come down here and they bring with them, that W-2 income that they have where they work in Manhattan mm -hmm. and it's a lot more money so they can afford more property. The cash sales in those million dollar plus ranges are just crazy too. And that's a lot of people pulling out of the market. The stock market's been negative now for like three or four days or something like that. So just a lot of weird reactionary stuff. Um, well, it's like what we talked about for a while since COVID hit, we were talking about how the major cities are going to be affected. Mm -hmm. And uh, my brother-in-law lives in Boston and just moved into a luxury apartment complex because they're vacant right now that normally rented for $2,500 a month. He got it for 17. Yeah. And it's $800 off a month. That's crazy. I mean, that's just, it's, it's about 30, 30 something percent mm -hmm. lower. Yeah. And it just shows you they just, the cities are just struggling right now and everybody's getting out to either the rural areas around the cities or they're moving Southeast, yeah. South Texas, you know, yeah, someone told me that I've been helping a guy that does a lot of commercial stuff that lives in New York. And I think he said, and this might have been a little bit of, he might have been rounding around or exaggerating, but he said that the commercial space in New York is like 50% occupied right now, which is crazy. And then if you look here, it seems like that's all that's being built, you know, apartments, mm -hmm. condos, and then office space. And a lot of the office space that's being built that's pre-leased is already filled up before they're even done. So it's, it's crazy. Well, that's why I feel I agree with you about being a little sheltered here. Obviously we can't predict the future mm -hmm. um, of real estate, but it's not, you gotta look at the trends. This isn't an area where it's just secondary homes and mm -hmm. people moving here, um, you know, as their secondary home or just want a beachfront home. I mean, that, that happens, don't get me wrong, but there are a lot of businesses and industry moving here. And there are a lot of people moving here full-time residents. Yeah. And to me, that's, Obviously, it's going to be a lot of factors for when, you know, things may go a little negative or we have a slight recession the next time. But um, when you have this is your primary residence, you have businesses moving to an area mm -hmm. and you have only a certain amount of land to be able to develop and live in. All those things are, to me, positive, yeah. positive views of what the future could look like here yeah. in, the in the market. I mean, that's all a net gain when someone moves to your economy. That's a net gain to the economy because they got to buy gas. They got to buy furniture. They got to buy groceries, all that stuff. So. It's hard for us as investors, depending on where you're at, you know, if you've, if you bought stuff 10, 20 years ago and you've been sitting on it, you're in great shape. If you're in the acquisition phase and you're early, it's kind of springtime for you, then it's a little tough. But, um, our, I, I think that the chamber also put out a figure that was like all of the, um, different, you know, sort of sectors of our economy pre COVID to now, and pretty much all that, the employment's back to normal other than hospitality and food and bath. So we're just very sheltered here, um, which I'd attribute that to our local governments opening up so much industry to different people. I mean, Boeing's supposed to move their entire operation here. Yep. They're supposed to leave the West Coast and come just here. Um, Walmart Distribution Center coming in, DHL, you have, um, oh, there's another auto, automaker or whatever. Volvo. Volvo, yeah. yeah. Volvo, and there's a big Jeep, a Jeep customization company too that just moved here pretty That's recently. what it was. It wasn't Jeep, but it was the custom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, they like, they super the mm -hmm. So, I, and even if we have a crazy correction. In the Coast Guard. Yeah, it's Coast Guard. And someone just told me that the Ports Authority is trying to secure another like 20-something million dollars from the state. I don't know if that's emergency funding or if that's to further expand, but they probably need to expand already. And they just finished that new Ports Authority 
um, mm-hmm. over there. But even if we had a crazy correction, it would probably just balance us here because these statistics are insane. That's so unsustainable. And the, the part of the issue, too, is normally I, I'd be like, whatever, builders will make up the difference. But materials are so expensive right now. Their prices are going through the roof. Like, I think, did you and say? they're tapped out, too. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, how many builders, they used to, they were saying, oh, we have inventory. You want to move in now? We got to move in ready? You can, that's non-existent. Yeah. You know, there's, um, I've talked to, you know, people from True Homes and Pulte, and they can't build them fast enough. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the building cost. Yeah. is getting out of control. So that's rising up the price in these communities. I remember one of the homes, one of the communities in Nexton, I was trying to lock up a deal for someone. It was like 225,000. That same home is 275 right mm-hmm. now. You're talking less than 12 months later. Yeah. And I was Crazy. told one of the builders representatives told me the other day that they're not pre-listing them anymore because mm-hmm. they want to wait till they're done and see where they can get. So those prices, like someone said, I think it might have been um, Parker LeClaire, actually. He has a new build under contract for somebody that is still in the phases of being built. And the ones that are completed, it's the exact same home. The ones that are completed now are going under contract or new construction, new contracts on other units are going under contract for like 10, 15% higher than what he has under contract at the moment. Like that's how much it's accelerated just in those number of months. I even heard not many developers do this, and I think this is a very poor business model to do. I know one of them is only paying 1% realtor fees, but mm-hmm. other than that, I've heard of, it may even be the same one. I forget what builder is, and I'm not going to name it here, obviously not being 100%, but they will actually, they've actually canceled deals because they could sell the same home for about 30, 40 grand more. So they have something in their contract, they can cancel the deal at any time. So someone has a new build being done, they cancel the deal, and then resell it for 40 grand more because they make more of a profit. I just think that's about as shitty as you can get yeah, if you're a developer, crazy. if you're a builder. You eat you eat it on that one and just raise the price on the next one. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. if your customer service starts to go, um, yeah, in these great times, it's awesome. But wait until the times are shaky and you have that reputation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy times. Uh, the inventory is tight and that's just all about just networking and trying to find different ways to get homes and find deals and uh that works right into our our guests yeah yeah we're excited to have this guy here today uh this is chris cates with integrity property solutions happy to be here yeah man happy to have you here buddy so you're primarily wholesaling right yeah you're flipping a little bit too um so i'm looking to get into that um beginning stages was just wholesaling uh just to kind of gain capital and kind of a position and get a pulse on things but yeah. That's awesome, man. So what, and are you still, you still have a full-time job, right? Yeah. Okay. At the full-time W-2, I'm a, a commercial construction, uh, pre, or pre-construction manager um, for a commercial construction company. Um, and so I do like turnkey different trade packages for 50 to $100 million bids wow. for like different buildings, data centers, you know, just the big stuff. Yeah. But it uh, it's uh, it has its you know, really uh, really uh, uh, busy parts, and then also the slow parts. So it gives me a good opportunity to kind of fluctuate between real estate and doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So um, and possibly get out of that eventually. Right. So you might not be able to say much about it, but anything about to hit this area that um. As far as big it. projects, yeah. um, so d- to be honest with you, my company's based out of Falls Church, Virginia. Okay. So um, we have a Charleston uh, branch, but there's only like 12 people here, okay. and there's a thousand in Virginia. So most of our work is in the DMV region, um, DC, Maryland, Virginia. Cool. So uh, I probably wouldn't be a good. Uh, ticket on that but uh we've done a lot of work for volvo down here and some for mercedes too so they're still really active Mm -hmm. down here yeah they've been a huge boost um i'm glad to have them they've contributed to this crazy (laughs) market that we have but i've I've been pleased to have them so you're and i do know that your long-term goal is to be fully kind of self-employed that's right yeah um hopefully shorter term more than long term um trying to uh, potentially get out of that as soon as October, my, my current employment, um, which, you know, this employment I'm in right now is a, is a blessing for sure, but it's taxing to 
um, have multiple jobs at one time yeah. <laughs> along with the family. So yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's tough. And you have, so is that kind of your why you would say is that the family have more time and freedom and things? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big part of it. Um, overarching is, uh, kind of, um, be able to give what we want and go where we want, when we want yeah. is kind of what I want for my family. And obviously it's hard to achieve that with, uh, a W2, mm-hmm. let alone a W2 and other jobs on top of that. Um, and so just, uh, always trying to reassess the, the best path and the best timing mm-hmm. for what to do when to move forward. Yeah. So well, I know you've been busy. I know I bought one off of you a couple months ago. You've got some pretty good deal flow. Yeah. It's, uh, just got to keep talking to people every day and, you know, things kind of set into place where, you know, regardless of, you know, the, the market and how things are going, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's going to fluctuate for sure, but it's been pretty consistent, which I'm happy with mm-hmm. from the get go. Yeah. So, well, it kind of makes sense based on the industry in, but what brought you to real estate specifically? Um, so to be honest with you, start, uh, I was, you know, my W2 is kind of the trajectory because I, I, I was not really, I would say discontent with the path of how growth would go on my W2 job, because, you know, it's a cookie cutter path. Like, you, you know, when you're going to get, uh, promoted, uh, it, and what you're going to get promoted to and the salary targets and, you know, everything else, there's not, you know, you, you're, you're fit into a box. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, I, I didn't really like <clears throat> the long-term idea of that. And to be honest with you, I went on a vacation <clears throat> to, uh, CS key in Sarasota, Florida with my family and my, um, brother-in-law, um, said, Hey, I'm going to go look at some $4 million houses. You want to come look at them with me on the, on the beachfront? And I was like, no, uh, <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I went, I went with him, and I, and he was like, yeah, you need to get pre-qualified just to even look at them. And I was like, how are you getting pre-qualified to look at these houses? Yeah. Um, and you know, come to find out he, uh, has been in real estate for a very long time, kind of like a background thing with his job and what he's been doing and um, did a lot of commercial in DC area and in Ohio. Um, And I was like, okay, so real estate can make stuff like this happen. This is, this is awesome. (laughs) So, um, you know, that's not actually the end that I, you know, necessarily want is $4 million house on the beach, but like, it shows the trajectory of the opportunity that can be, um, that can happen through that. And so I, since then I started, you know, getting plugged into bigger pockets and I started, you know, sticking my nose in the, that, that word that is so hard to define investing, um, and just learning a lot more about that for the next, I guess it was about a year, year and a half. I was just kind of, uh, progressively in an analysis paralysis phase, mm-hmm. um, and just doing some, a lot of research in different areas. I thought I wanted to flip for a little while and then, you know, it, I'm glad I didn't. My wife kind of pulled me back from doing that. And then I ended up jumping into wholesaling. So yeah, wholesaling, especially in a market like this right now, it's hard to get the leads on them, but things are selling so quick. I mean, we've just changed gears into, I'm not really flipping anymore, but just wholesaling. Like pretty much anything that makes sense, send it to me and we'll yeah. buy it and just turn around and relist it. So, well, that's what I wanted to say. Like, yeah, this, so you got like the wholesaling. I'm glad you kind of explained why you went into that. I, when I first met you and now that I get to know you where I do, um, the name of your company really does speak true to who you are, or at least for what I know about you, the integrity part. But um, especially in this wholesaling and the business where we're at right now, how like how do you operate and how how are you kind of what do you think you're differentiating yourself um as to be able to pull some of these deals or just kind of talk about your operations yeah that's a good question um so you don't have to give away trade secrets just generalities (laughs) yeah Uh, i'll keep it general (laughs) um but i mean honestly uh the reason i chose integrity um is because 
you know, wholesalers and wholesaling in general can get a very bad rap. And there's a lot of people that can, you know, the barrier, barrier of entry is so low that um, anybody can do it. And a lot of people do do it. And a lot of people do it the wrong way mm-hmm. and do it without, you know, a, a very good moral compass as well. And so I, I not only want to cross my T's and dot my I's, you know, contractually and just uh, with good faith and all aspects of the deal but i also want to be as brutally honest with owners as possible um and and sellers uh for throughout the entire course of each deal like i'm not sugarcoating anything for them i'm giving them the raw reality of their house the dynamics of the situation what i can provide for them and i really want to make it an easy button scenario for an owner and ultimately for an end buyer too. Um, and, and really just provide them with the most value they can get out of this transaction, because this is in the end, it's a wholesale deal. And so there's supposed to be an aspect for the owner where this is an easy button because you know, y'all market it as everybody markets it as, you know, quick cash 30 days, you know, that kind of thing. And we should be able to deliver according to that. Mm -hmm. Um, And with buyers, we should be able to, you know, give them the best picture of what they're, what they're getting. And so I try to do that as best as possible as well. Um, Partners help with that uh, and making that successful too, like networking with flippers and brokers and, and and, uh, Dan, you've been pretty integral with that as well with BPOs and stuff for me. So, yeah, that's awesome. So as far as the way you operate, is it just you right now or do you have anybody helping you out? It started out with um, just me, of course. Uh, and then as soon as I made some money, I hired out a VA team to kind of uh, do the marketing for me uh, with my oversight so that I could in theory, spend more time with my uh, full-time job and right. still create, you know, revenue and an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So that's an impression with you right away is that you did, like you said, everybody's got to start off on your own. That's just how it works. Mm-hmm. But very quickly, you made this a business. You structure as a business. You're you're building it for that long-term vision, and I think that's so important. I know we've talked about it before with other people. It's like it's hard to wait till you get busy. And then when you're busy to go ahead and turn it into a business, mm-hmm. it's almost too, it's not too late, but it's a lot harder to do than you put it into a business and then get busy based on it. Yeah. yeah. And I know it's a little bit more expensive that way or a little bit more costly, but um, I, I, I just think it's a smart move. And I think it, a year from now, when we talk to Chris, I think it's going to really have benefited you. Yeah. It's so much more sustainable to do mm-hmm. it that way. Cause it, that's proactive. And a lot of people have to be reactive when like, they get to the end of the year and they're like, holy shit, my tax liability or whatever it is, you know, or they're just dropping the ball on mm-hmm. all the deals they're doing because they're too busy. Yeah. And it's really challenging too, because it, it's, it ha- it takes a lot of intentionality because it's, it's a difference between working on your business and working in your business. Um, if you're simply working in your business, you're never going to get to that point where you can uh, scale or, alter things or, or change what you're doing and how much time you put in, into stuff as yeah. opposed to on your business where you can really figure out how to make it, you know, different or long-term, yeah. if that makes sense. Well, that's, so. you know, even like your why, why you got started and seeing it as um, just this kind of machine that you're going to ride into the future, you know, that's um, just so much more sustainable and doing it the way you are, you're, you're already projecting out like what you want. You're yeah, gonna, you're gonna get there with it. I have that problem, and Dan will tell you I, I just get so inundated with like busy work. Um, I mean, even when you got here, I was complaining about a fire I got to put out <laughs> later today, yeah. and it just gets like there's always un- unexpected stuff like that too that you got to deal with. So if you're in the weeds like that already, everything's gonna suffer. Yeah, it's a it's a tough balance too. You gotta fight every step of the way to figure out what the best balance is between working on your business or working in your business, you know, cause things have to keep running, but you also have to figure out how to make it run as best as possible. Yeah. So, well, um, I got to take a break real quick cause my software is giving me a max, but we'll just fill in another one here in a second. All right. So we had a quick little ad break right there. I'm using, I think we said in the beginning of the 
episode, I'm trying a different software. So um, I'll clean all that up, make sure it works. But um, we're going to keep going with Chris. Um, I'm curious to know our experience with the market right now is probably pretty similar to yours. It's really challenging right now. I mean, we're, I'm, I put like four or five offers on things last week, cash, the end of this week, cash offers full price and we lost to other yeah. folks. I know that's more common with wholesaling, even in a normal market, because, you know, there, there's a lot of folks that are reaching out to these distressed sellers and it's really kind of whoever can offer the best terms to them is who gets the contract. But has it been harder lately than when you started doing it? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I started in September. I was, I was averaging three deals a month for September, October, November, December. And then January, like everything kind of hit a, a bit of a freeze. And I was mm -hmm. like, what is going on here? And I had to really reach down deep to even get uh, one contract. Um, and so it, it was a big shift. Um, just that it seemed like there's a lot of opportunity later in the year. A lot of people, you know, had their own motivations for finishing out the year as mm -hmm. far as I guess owners and buyers, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's just, it's a uh, definitely a lot harder to um, grab those opportunities and find out, you know, where those opportunities are right now. They're yeah. there. It's just, there's, they're definitely very, a lot thinner right now. Yeah. Well, I've noticed cause we'd send out that consolidated list. So all the wholesale deals I get throughout the week, we sent out, Rachel actually just sent it a little while ago, but I mean, normally when I would send those out, I'd have like six, seven, eight deals that yeah. I was sending out. And lately it's been like one or two. Right. It's been thin. I didn't even send one for the last couple of weeks because it was so thin. But the alternative to that, I guess, is that these things are selling pretty fast, aren't they? Yeah. It. It. Yeah. I mean, I, I sent one the other or yesterday and I had five p people contact me within 20, 20, 30 minutes mm -hmm. for it. And it's it's not you know, it's not a home run, but it could, it could work for, you know, a certain person with the, you know, with the right setup for it. Mm -hmm. And so people are hungry right now. That's yeah. For sure. Well, I bought the one, the duplex I got off you in December or whatever. I was like sitting here at night, like playing a video game, trying to unwind because I was extremely busy. <laughs> um, and I got that email from you and I replied immediately and was like, just send me the contract <laughs> on that thing. So yeah easy button yeah it's like just, yeah. just let's do it um and i normally don't do that i normally don't scalp them like that but i was just in a weird spot where i like had some capital i needed to use and it's an area that i like and i had a lead on some other stuff going on in that area so um yeah it's are you having to ramp up your marketing or um you know i'm it's it's funny the, it, going the end of the year you know with all that momentum i was it, I didn't have too much perspective. And so I was like, you know what? I'm doing three deals a month. Let's make it six. Let's figure mm -hmm. out how to ramp that up and make it bigger. And then I got one. Yeah. <laughs> and so I did ramp up and um, I always want to assess, you know, greatest punch from marketing dollars. And so I'm actually scaling mm. back to what it once was because uh, in keeping it as concentrated as possible, because I had a lot of, um success there i'm just making sure i'm hitting the right components the right areas the right lists and just making it as as maximized as possible yeah i think that's the smartest thing to do with wholesaling and trying to differentiate differentiate yourself a little bit because i get probably 20 postcards every week and I yeah. couldn't tell you who's who because they all look the exact same. That's the yeah. funny part. I do two over in my house that I just bought on John's Island. Yeah. And it's like, is there any research done? They're just blanketly sending them out. Yeah. Like, I just bought this home. I understand them not knowing I'm a realtor. That's fine. Yeah. I just bought this home. There's, you know, this is not a cash deal, no equity. I have mm -hmm. a full mortgage. Oh, no. I mean, I put a good chunk down. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a mortgage on yeah. it. There's this. Like, it's not a deal. Like, yeah. why are you sending me a postcard? Yeah. You need to, like you said, the problem, I think a lot of people do just blanket, and maybe that works. I I agree without knowing specifically your numbers. I would think if you hyper-focus and target and target correctly, you're probably going to have better KPIs than just a mass, oh, yeah. just mail out a... Your KPIs are going to be a lot stronger. You, mm -hmm. you with the, with the, with the casting the net wide, you might grab, you know, a couple more deals over the course of the year. You're going to spend a lot more dollars doing it. So you just have to 
measure and see whether it's worth it too you know mm -hmm. um down here like you you can you, there's only what eight hundred fifty thousand people in charleston yeah metro area and so there's um there you you can run out of those specialized lists a lot quicker and stuff so you gotta you gotta have a good formula for how you're gonna go about things as well mm -hmm. um do you so, see yourself because of that possibly shifting into other markets well, I am in the DC market right now. Oh. So I'm, I'm in the DC market with a partner down there that um, he's absolutely killing it. Uh, boots on ground. Um, a couple more people out there. So it makes it a little easier. Just a couple. <laughs> <laughs> the market's about six to eight times as big yeah. as Charleston. So the opportunity is absolutely there. There's other wholesalers that we're already networking with. Um, it's working out. So yeah. that's good. That's awesome. Well, Another question we have, we ask everybody this, is if, if you want to describe a, a big win or a couple of them, and then we usually ask for any failures, too, if there's a particular deal you can think of that just went south. Yeah, I got... Um, or lessons learned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, always, there's always that in real estate, mm -hmm. right? Um, so the, I got a couple big ones. The first one was probably you know, investing really. The first one was probably my first deal under contract. Uh, I got under contract about two weeks after I started, which I, I think that was pretty a pretty crucial element in, in giving myself enough momentum to keep going and stuff. Um, I was able to joint venture that. It was just a land deal. It wasn't anything impressive uh, in, in North Charleston. And it, uh, I was able to joint venture that with uh, Ross. And so... That that really got the um, the juices flowing, and it, it actually uh, was able to realize make me realize this is a monetizable business. Mm -hmm. um, so um, it was it was encouraging. And then um, also, I, I think a, another big win is just partnerships in general. I, I don't think I'd be able to get anywhere near where I am today without you know all the. Uh, awesome people I've been able to be in contact with in Charleston area. And then also my partner in DC has been a crucial element um, in our game up there. And so um, just all the joint ventures, like probably half my deals I've, I've joint ventured and with Russ mostly um, and, and just uh, other flippers I've been able to be in contact with and just rely on for, you know, uh, I, I, I don't want to consider myself an expert in any uh, particular uh, in any particular field of investing. Like you're Dan, you're uh, you're a real estate agent. You have the best nose for what an after repair value for a home is going to be. I can run all my uh, software and run all my numbers, and I can still not have the best. Um, number for that. So I, I love to be able to rely on somebody like you for a BPO for a property that, you know, I, I get under contract just to get the warm and fuzzies a little more. And, and then I love to rely on somebody like Mark to come mm -hmm. to a property with me mm -hmm. for um, repair costs and everything, because I have my ROM of repair costs, but uh, I love to be as realistic as possible. And so partnerships have really been a huge win um, and, and critical for me to you know kind of get where i've gotten so far so. yeah i think that's like the progression too when you've done it for a little while and if you see it more as like being a member of a community or see it more of a career you don't need to try to maximize every single deal and just you know like cut everybody out so you can get 100 percent of everything because right. it's so much easier and more passive if you say hey you help me out with this and then they take 10% of it. Somebody else takes, you know, 10, 15, 20% of it. And when I say that, I mean the workload too. Yeah. So before you know it, you know, you just got sort of pass these deals around. And we were saying that last night at REI Central's, everybody's desperate trying to find stuff to do. And mm -hmm. when the market's like this, it's just more ripe for JVs and partnerships and things. So, yeah. you know, and you share the workload, you share the profit, but at least it keeps the ball rolling. Yeah. And you get a free, in my case, a free learning experience mm -hmm. from somebody else who's, who's well seasoned in that portion of the game. So, yeah. well, not only that, I think one of the biggest things is, especially with these, a lot of new wholesalers out there, I hope they're listening to this one. Um, if you don't have your ARV accurate because you're just pulling comps from, you know, three different neighborhoods because it was kind of close by and you, your ARV is off and your repair costs are half of what they, I remember I see one in this, 
said like 50 grand is 100 grand worth of work. It's like mm-hmm. when those numbers are off, I'm telling you from an investor standpoint, I know the market's thin, so we'll still look, but we're just not going to believe the numbers. Yeah. We're going to look and be like, all right, he said 50. We got to add about 30 or 40 on that. Mm-hmm. When you're getting numbers like ARV, we work together and I can help you really hone in on it. And Mark helps you really hone in on cost. Mm-hmm. Now I could say, all right, this deal just came out from Chris. ARV and cost are probably going to be pretty close to what they're obviously everybody's going to get different pricing on stuff, but they're probably mm-hmm. going to be pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can analyze it and feel more comfortable with that than just this all of a sudden this just absolute, you know, BS of a deal coming out. Yeah. Um, air quotes that you can't see on the microphone, but yeah. um, I, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of value to that because mm-hmm. I know we all have that now where we're like, all right, well, this wholesaler sent it out. I know I have to, you know, triple check the comps. Not that I always double check, but I can't even agree right. to it right away. And yeah. repair costs, I got to really get my eyes on that because I know I got to add probably 30% to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just nice to have ones that you're like, yeah, that's probably going to be pretty close to accurate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just helps. It helps an investor when you're quickly analyzing stuff. Yeah, yep, it really does. Sure. Yeah. Well, what about failures? Have there been any um, that just kind of went sideways on you that yeah, you learned from? I would say those are my failures. There's any deal I've gotten under contract I haven't been able to deliver on, which is, you know, it's everyone's an alert, a learning experience. I'd say in D.C., um, they're, I think they're a lot more our fault for jumping into things too fast in mm-hmm. uh in uh baltimore we've gotten a few under contract in baltimore and they are two percent rent ratios and still can't get them sold really yeah in wonder why baltimore city it's because um it's just such a uh renting in baltimore city is very challenging with the city mm. um there's a lot of loopholes loopholes you got to jump through and then the tenants are you know the yep. tenants have their sets of rights mm. as a result of that and Landlords can get very walked on in Baltimore. City. Yeah, I, so. I know a woman who she's a client of mine, and she's got some stuff up there. And when she's told me how they cash flow, I'm like, "Why are you looking down here?" But that makes sense. Yeah. Um, some of the more progressive states or bluer states, they're just not very, very landlord friendly. Yeah, I, I, I had in the beginning thought about buying in Baltimore City, but I, I'd stay down here mm-hmm. for sure. Just I'd be happy with the more consistent, you know, one percent ratio and something where you're not, you don't have as many sleepless nights, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When you take six months to a year to evict someone, I mean, that just, so your vacancy, you analyze vacancy here. I'm usually about 8%, depending on where it is. Mm -hmm. When you're in those types of areas, you probably have to do, I don't know, 30%. I don't know what your vacancy rate is that you estimate, but it's gotta be a lot higher. And I think there is a balance. Don't get me wrong. I think obviously landlords and tenants, there should be some sort of balance of Mm -hmm. rights. But when either side, you either have slumlords, if you let it too extreme on the landlord side, Oh, you have squatters that at the end of the day, I mean, if someone's not paying, you know, you shouldn't have to wait six months to a year to kick them out. I don't care about that. Like you agreed to pay this. You don't get to just stay there, but you also have to provide a good home. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a, there's definitely a balance, but it's really hard in the blue. Like I'm from Boston. It's like, it could take over a year to evict someone. Yeah. Yeah. We are, our laws just changed a little bit. So I actually have a court date on the ninth for evictions on a triplex and it's, We'll see how it goes. I mean, I'm glad that there's some oversight in there, but these are folks who are evicting for expired lease terms because they don't have leases anymore. And I've had to give them 30-day notice and then go submit everything. And then now the, all three of those tenants have requested a court date. So I have to do like a Zoom court date with the magistrate. And hmm. I mean, we they don't have a lease. It's not, not I mean, they there have been some non-payment issues for sure, but um, this is really just like, I mean, one of these leases is from like 2014 <laughs> and it's just month to month now. So I have to go through this process, but that's like nothing compared to what a lot of these other states have yeah. to deal with. And yeah. same thing with foreclosures. I mean, there's like a lot of notes investors won't buy in some of those states because the foreclosure process is like impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, they could stop paying five years ago and they're still in the house. So. There's um, it, in, it's interesting in a, uh... It's uh, Tacoma Park, Maryland. They before you sell any house, you have to give the tenants rights mm. to buy it. Mm. Um, you have to add, you have to say, hey, this is the amount that I'm going to sell it for. Do you want to buy it at this price? And you have to give them the, kind of the right of way mm. for that. They, they propose that in Somerville, Massachusetts, really? a very uh, hipster area, really cool spot mm-hmm. up in Somerville. But they just propose that to, to give the tenants, and I think they have like 
if I'm not mistaken, I think the proposal is for like two to three months to decide on it. Wow. So it's not like, wow. hey, you have a you have a week, sorry to refusal. Do you want to buy it or not? It's like, hey, you have plenty of time to sit there and think, do you want to buy this? Right? Yeah. And I actually kind of respect to give them first right of refusal as long as the, the dollar amounts what what the seller wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think that is kind of fair. They live in there, give them a chance to buy it. Yeah. But but what's the cap? A very short time frame. Sure. Yeah. Because you got to consider the person who owns the home. You don't mm-hmm. know what situation they're in. Right. They might need to sell. Yeah. So, yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> well, so what are your ultimate goals with all this stuff? I think we alluded to it a little bit in the beginning, but where do you see everything going? Um, yeah. So ultimate goals, I mean, essentially I got into this because, you know, with, with family, um, I was saying we kind of want to be in a position where we want to give what we want and go where we want, when we want is essentially kind of, the, what I've come up with for the ideal ideal life scenario. Mm-hmm. And there, there's two different ways to look at it. You know, there could be a very selfish way to look at it. And then obviously, you know, it depends on your demeanor and what you, what that means to you um, for giving and, and going and um, what you're doing. And so um, we, uh, you know, I want to be able to, you know, travel with my family in the summers and, uh, just be able to do that freely um, in the long term and be able to just create memories with my family, you know, when we want to create memories and mm-hmm. when we want to leave, when we need a break uh, and all that um, and and not have, you know, a certain employment telling me that I have to do something differently, mm-hmm. um, essentially. And uh, I, I want to be able to do um, missions work with my family over the summer as well um and just uh just be able to um give to the community and i I can't do that with a full-time 50-hour week job Mm -hmm. along with you know investing in two different markets it's not possible but when i when i uh, figure out how to phase myself out of that job and then kind of scale investing and create scenarios where that can be a little more passive um that opportunity can can exist and i think um, that would be, um, the, the best thing for, you know, me, my family, um, the community at large mm-hmm. um, and our, our ability to give. So that's awesome. And you're on the way, you know, it's just a process to get, to get all that stuff going. I mean, it took, really took me like four or five years before I felt like I had the f- kind of freedom that I wanted. And even that, I mean, that was all running my own business throughout that time, but it was just getting cash flow to a point where I didn't feel like I was, you know, always on call. Suffocating. Yeah. And yeah. even now this market's been so tough that like, this is the first time I've ever thought about like, when do I want to retire? When do I want to like, you know, hang up like at what age or at what phase of my kid's life or whatever. Yeah. So this has been a pretty challenging time just with the, the fever of it. I'm just like always going right now, which is just exhausting, but yeah. it's better to be busy than not. You know, right. so I think you'll you'll get there quickly because you've got the right outlook on it and you're leveraging yourself well. Yeah, that's the hope. Yeah. What about um? What do you got tips for some beginners? And you know, what are, what are some tips that you learned that you'd really like to relate to our listeners? Um, well, I mentioned it before, uh, just the value of partnerships, and so it, don't go at it alone. You you definitely want to tap into um everybody else's brain in the market like it's like it, it, you're not going to know everything there's you're you're going to know almost nothing so um jump into other people's heads as much as possible i, I actually specifically remember calling russ uh you troy and you dan before i even started uh doing wholesaling or investing and before I brought a property and just jumping into all your guys' heads mm. for direction, for things to do, for ways to go. And you guys were actually, you know, really helpful and kind of uh, had a giving mentality with all that. Um, and it, it was helpful to me. So that, that'd be the first thing. A second thing would be, depends on what you want to do, but if you want to flip, um, get in touch with as many people that are um, talking to homeowners and getting those properties under contract. 
um, whether it be wholesalers or agents, um, and make sure you're, you have proper network there. And if you want to wholesale, just ultimately you, you got to be talking to people every day. You got to be talking to homeowners. Mm -hmm. If you're not doing that, you're not going to get, you know, properties on a contract. So that's awesome, man. Well, now we'll get down into the fun stuff. Um, so mindset kind of stuff, what I think we've probably already got the answer to this, but what's motivating you and driving you just that claiming back your life kind of. Yeah. To be honest with you, I think what sets me up for success is, I wake up at um, 4.30 every day and the first two and a half hours of my day are dedicated to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't mean to make it that way, but it is. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, you know, I, I run through um, just I have my own morning routine with reading and, and learning and um, just uh, reading the Bible and just uh, also uh, then I work out as well. And so uh, spiritual, mental, and physical portion of things, I accept that. You work out? Just, just, I want to know just, just a little bit. I used to do it a lot more often. Now it's like 20, 30 minutes and get back to yeah. everything else because I'm so like so gung-ho about getting to the next thing. But um, so that and then um, also uh, – so, uh, on, on Sundays or actually I moved to Saturdays. I have like an hour or two where I go over kind of like what my life plan is and reflect over, you know, how I want, how I, things need to be changed or how things went this past week and in accord with, you know, kind of what I want and my family wants me in the long term. So that's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's good I, to check in like absolutely that. Absolutely love that. Yeah. That's, that's really amazing. And I can attest that he's up at four 30 cause I've had a text from at four 50. <laughs> Brain's always good. Thank God yeah. I didn't wake up. <laughs> yeah. When I saw that, I was like, I'm glad I didn't wake up to that text. Well, that's you guys kill Chris, although he kicked my ass, but still. Yeah. <laughs> Next time I'll call you. Yeah, just call him. <laughs> FaceTime him. Yeah. yeah. It's when you got kids, it's just hard. <laughs> Even like your downtime. How many kids do you have? Three. Three. Yeah. I've only got the one, but. It, I mean, any time you think you've got your own downtime, then like that juice gets spilled yeah. or something gets broken. And yeah, so that four thirty is so precious yeah. because nobody like it's the most silent time in the home. And yeah. It's like I can be in my own head. Do you have to like tiptoe out and get to where you have your quiet zone? I I make sure I'm not uh, loud upstairs. Yeah. let's put it that way. Yeah. no lights on. Just you know, click down. Yeah, cool. Um, any books or podcasts or anything you've listened to recently? That's been good um so uh top three list of books ever uh the first one is uh compound effect by baron mm -hmm. hardy um second one is the magic of thinking big um by david schwartz i think it is and then third one is the principles and power vision by dr miles monroe um so of all the books i've read over the past few years, those definitely stand out to me. And then um, for podcasts, John Maxwell mm -hmm. uh, Leadership Podcast is, yep. is uh, something I listen to a lot as well. Yeah, so, Maxwell's got good stuff, especially yeah. if you're going to be a business owner or lead a team of any kind. It's it's really good. Yeah. Just removes the like um, ego yeah. <laughs> from a lot of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. He loves Get, getting you to think outside the box, mm -hmm. which is always, you know, a nice thing to do. Yeah. So. And what about fun? What do you do for fun? I mean, honestly, if, if, if I'm out by the coast in any way, shape or form or uh, a beach in warm weather and in the Caribbean, like that's, mm -hmm. that's ideal. Either that or at a mountain snowboarding, which I haven't done in years because I have kids, but I'd love Same to here. take the family there as well. Yeah. But, yeah. Cool, man. That's awesome. Well, we appreciate you coming, buddy. Where can people find you if they want to get on your buyers list or anything? Um, you can, I have a Facebook page, uh, Integrity Property Acquisitions. Um, you can like that. Um, and I, I post all of my deals on that page. Um, and then also um, you can email me at Integrity Property or Integrity Buys homes.com b-u-y-s-h-o-m-e-s -E um and give me your contact info and i can you know that i can uh, uh get you plugged in cool that's awesome man thanks so much for coming yeah, yeah appreciate, appreciate the me. chat buddy
Dan, you got some, uh, you got any investing tips or anything for us today? Yeah, or? a couple quick things. Um, the tip of the day is we're getting into that springtime, at least here in Charleston, my Boston peeps. Uh, sorry, I got another three months of winter probably. Um, service the HVACs, clean filters, check smoke detectors. It's a good time of year to go, um, you know, just, just check on your units. I, I know, I don't know how many times I go and I look at a home that's off market or, or even on market. And there's a tenant in there and the smoke detectors are disconnected and just on the ground. So mm-hmm. I definitely recommend just pay a little bit of money. This is what I budget for all my rentals and they go in actually every two months, but make sure the filters are changed and check <clears> the smokes. It's well worth it. Especially Mike, Mike's fire in his apartment. Yep. I mean, that's, it's just, I don't know. That's the one thing that really worries me. I never want to have, you can have a fire, but I just want to make sure my tenants are protected. So uh, it's a quick tip and then supporting some local business just kind of shifted gears to this recently and over the last few podcasts and uh, rehab wallet as always if you need some private money lending they're good for the fix and flips or bridge funding uh, 60 bull cafe we do the breakfast meet up there every first and third friday at 7 30 but uh very you know delicious food good vibe if anybody's ever in the area how was breakfast this morning i i it forgot it's probably about I don't know, 15 to 18 people there. It was, uh, there were a couple newbies, so it was good. Yeah. And, um, was Danny there? No. Yeah. Danny hasn't made it back yet, but, uh, I know he's spending time with his kids. Yep. But, he just had his baby. I meant yeah. to go and it was like, I just forgot. It was like 720 and I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Can't make it down there. <laughs> that was good. It was good. It was, a, it was a good meeting. We definitely talked about a lot of things. Actually got into like S Corp and a little bit of that talk topic about filing for taxes and good. stuff, but it was a good, uh, good meetup. Kelly ran it and, Obviously, always good with her running it. So, um, and then Quayfe, this is my personal favorite, so I have to rave about it. So, if anybody knows the Poor House on James Island, mm-hmm. to the right is a restaurant called Quayfe, and it's authentic Cuban. See the Chinese or oh, a okay. part of a part of that area. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I think it's Chinese, but anyway, it's authentic. Like the actual owner goes over there to grab recipes and everything. It's definitely spicy. It's got a little bite, but the food is amazing. Cool. Um, one of my favorite joints to go to, and they have a cool little outdoor area. It's not large, um, but it's it's really delicious. So yeah. it's called Quayfe, literally attached to the poorhouse on the right-hand side if you want to check it out. I didn't know about that. That used to be like a Cuban place yes. or something. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And then REI Central, we moved locations. So last night was our first time there, Palmetto Brewing Company. A lot of good reviews back, by the way. Went People well. Loved it yeah, we need to... F- figure out the flow a little bit better but um i like having the like the amenities there that we didn't have before it's a brewery and then there's a food truck outside and stuff so i think we're going to be able to have mark weeks still sponsor those and either do like a bar credit or order just a bunch of food from the food truck we're not sure yet but um that's where we'll be going moving forward and they were so accommodating i called them like last friday because i found out last thursday that we couldn't do our Mm -hmm. event so i had to scramble and they were so helpful so easy to work with so that is it that's all for today have a great week everybody thanks guys thanks again for listening to the rei central podcast presented by maven realty we hope you enjoyed this episode if you have any questions or concerns please reach out to us you can find us online at www.mavenrealtysc.com we also hope to see you at our next rei central meetup More information on dates and tickets can be found at www.rei-central.com. Have a great day.